Welcome to the Friday Five, a series in which we cover five stories in health and science research over the previous week that you may have missed. There are plenty of controversies and ethical issues in science, and we get into many of them in our online magazine. But there's also stories to be excited about, and this news roundup is focused on scientific work to give you a therapeutic dose of inspiration headed into the weekend. We start this week's Friday Five with the battle of the sexes. Women are winning may be the most important battleground, staying alive. They live seven years longer than men on average, and this week researchers at the National Cancer Institute have uncovered what seems to be an important factor, finding that men have higher rates of pretty much all types of cancer. You might be thinking this can be explained by environmental and lifestyle factors, like men tending to smoke more or eat more cheese fries. But the studies showed that these high-risk behaviors may not tell the full story, finding that they're a relatively small part of why men get cancer more often, accounting for only 11% of the explanation for esophageal cancer and, at the most, 50% for lung cancer. The lead author, Sarah Jackson, said the study suggests that the different biologies of men and women, such as their genetics, are an important driver of cancer risk. And this would indicate that our healthcare system should be using sex as a big consideration in screening for cancer, along with how we prevent it and treat it. Next up in the Friday Five, this week the biotech companies Pfizer and Valneva entered the third part of a large study testing a new vaccine for Lyme disease. Almost 500,000 Americans get treated for Lyme disease each year, according to the CDC. Two decades ago, we had a vaccine to prevent Lyme disease in humans, but some side effects were reported, including joint pain. The FDA never confirmed these effects, but once word got around, people said thanks but no thanks. The new vaccine, called VLA-15, leaves out a protein region that was linked to the side effects of the old vaccine and targets six kinds of Lyme disease instead of only one. If you get this vaccine in the future and a tick bites you, it'll suck the antibodies caused by the vaccine into its own gut, attacking the germs that could lead to Lyme disease so they can't pass into your body. At least that's how it's designed to work. In early trials, the vaccine did trigger the right response in the immune system, and it passed safety standards. The phase of the study that just started it includes about 6,000 people as young as five years old. The study will finish up over two tick seasons. If it's a success, Pfizer and Valneva say they'll seek approval for the vaccine in 2025. So don't make any plans to go gallivanting naked in the woods just yet. And take note, Elon Musk and Neuralink. Two important studies were in the news this week related to brain-like devices. They both focus on using the supermaterial graphene to mimic how the brain works. One study out of the University of Texas used graphene to act like the synapses that transfer information throughout our brains. The big plus of using graphene for this purpose is that it's thinner and more flexible, and it's not toxic to living cells and tissues like most materials used in brain-like devices. The second study, published in Nature Electronics, used graphene to make neurons, our brain cells that send and receive information into and out of the synapses. While other brain-machine devices use electricity to send information, these new neurons use dopamine, also known as the motivation molecule that shows up in your brain whether you're looking to scratch your nose or train for a marathon. Built into the neurons is a sensor that was able to detect dopamine from nearby brain cells of mice. And the neurons included another instrument that could send the dopamine and get the brain cells to respond. For their next trick, the neurons could send dopamine to twitch a mouse muscle, which moved a robotic hand. So researchers say it could be essential for improving fake limbs to replace our real ones when they fall off or stop working. Fourth up in the Friday Five, researchers at MIT announced this week that they've found a way to measure your level of protection from getting COVID. Scientists already have ways of measuring our levels of antibodies that can recognize and take out the proteins that infect our cells with the virus. 
Those existing tests, though, require lab technicians and special equipment, but this new one was modeled on technology that's similar to home pregnancy tests. The scientists add little gold-colored flecks to proteins that they've infected with COVID. Then they take a blood sample from a person and mix it with the infected proteins that have the gold flecks. To see how the person's antibodies react to these infected proteins, they put the mixture on a card with two lines. One of the lines attracts the infected proteins, and the other line attracts the proteins that have been rendered harmless by our antibodies. People could use a cell phone camera, an app that looks at the gold flecks to figure out the amount of infected proteins compared to the ones conquered by our antibodies. When there's a lot of gold, we'll know to get another booster shot and take other precautions. The test was tried out before and after vaccination, and the MIT scientists also tested it in blood samples of 90 people. And the results were the same as the much more complicated lab tests. You can't get this test right now, but researchers' next step is to go for FDA approval. Last up for the Friday Five, a study in the medical journal of the American Academy of Neurology took a look at whether making time for leisure activities helps to reduce the risk of getting dementia. Some studies have seemed to show that getting lots of leisure doesn't really help with warding off cognitive impairments. But the meta-analysis published this week looked at 38 studies with over 2 million people, in whom there were almost 75,000 cases of dementia, and found that those who enjoyed leisure activities also got to enjoy lowering their risk of dementia by 17%, compared to people who didn't have leisure activities. Now, I'm a little suspect of this, as I don't actually know anyone who has zero leisure activities. But interestingly, the study looked at different types of leisure, and the category that was most important for staving off cognitive decline was intellectual leisure. These activities, like reading or writing for fun, playing musical instruments, or making crafts, were linked to a 23% reduction in risk, while physical leisure, like yoga or swimming, came in second at 17%. Social leisure, like joining a club or volunteering, was third, with an underwhelming 7% reduction. Although I'm thinking that many intellectual pursuits and physical activities like playing sports are also social activities. And the study didn't analyze the amount of leisure, like number of hours per week, in any of these categories. But it's safe to say you need more skin in the game than taking one basket-weaving class to reap the benefits. But we always hear how continuing to work into old age and making work your passion can help fend off dementia. And this study is an important reminder not to go overboard with that. Make time for leisure, especially on a Friday in August. I hope you enjoyed the Friday Five. As always, please check out the Leaps.org magazine online, where you can learn about the latest and most important developments, such as this week, how scientists at Columbia University are designing robots with new levels of spatial awareness. Overall, the Leaps.org platform looks at trends and innovations through the lens of rational optimism. You can find out what to be concerned about, but we also tell you which scientific breakthroughs are giving reason for excitement. Have a great rest of your Friday, and enjoy some of that healthy leisure this weekend.